0: Hello, everyone. Very special and warm welcome to you all. Today, we present you another edition of our In Conversation With series of interviews. In these series, we talk with some of the most prominent and inspiring business leaders from all over the world. In the interview, we focus less on the business side and more on the personal journeys of our guests. What are their values? What makes them tick? What keeps them awake at night? and what has driven them to become the leaders they are today. My name is Jaakko Tapaninen and I will be your host today. Welcome to In Conversation With. Cirque du Soleil is a fantastic story of artistic creativity and business achievement. It was also one of the most visible victims of the global pandemic. On March 19th, 2020, Cirque du Soleil announced that 44 active shows, all of their shows would be suspended and that 95% of its staff would be temporarily laid off, effective immediately. Three months later, it filed for bankruptcy protection. Today, after changes in ownership and management, Sartre du Soleil is making a comeback. Its new president and CEO, Stéphane Lefebvre, joined the company originally in 2016, first as a chief financial officer. Uh, but was then promoted to Chief Operating Officer and to CEO in December 2021. Lefebvre is a certified public accountant who, excuse me, who, before joining Cirque du Soleil, worked for a flight simulator company for 20 years as vice president and CFO. But there is also an artistic side to him. He played classical piano as a child, and when he studied business in Montreal, he did accounting for his professor, who arranged rock shows in Montreal. And as a perk, Stéphane got an all-access pass to shows and also backstage. And now he's at the center stage on the business side of Cirque du Soleil, making sure, making sure that sun rises again. Ladies and gentlemen, Stéphane Lefebvre. Welcome, Stéphane. Great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Eto. Let's start with your background quickly, uh, look at, at where you come from. You grew up in a relatively small town called Chambly. I hope I'm pronouncing it about right. Uh, that is not far from Montreal. Uh, what was Chambly like? And as you look at your road to where you are today, how much would you say your journey has been your personal determination, and how much of it has been chance?
1: By the way, I'm impressed by your uh, pronunciation, uh, Yako, yeah, you got it right. I, <laughs> I was born and raised in this uh, small town, the uh, south of, uh, of Montreal. It was a really small town, probably around 10,000 people uh, at at the time. It grew, but that's what it was at the beginning. And, uh, you know, reflecting back, I think if you, um, it would be hard to be a, the CEO of, uh, of Cirque du Soleil without being uh, a lover, an art lover, lover heart. And it's uh, interesting in your introduction, you mentioned, uh, uh, my, uh, my piano, uh, uh, introduction when I was, when I was young and, and question frankly, I think it, I think it, uh, had, had an impact on me cause, uh, my parents had uh, received this, uh, this piano at home and they got me, introduced me to music when I was young. And I did actually play it for about, uh, 12 years. Uh, as part of a, uh, a music school, and I think it uh, just uh, was the start of a of a journey of uh, being open to a different uh, art form. Um, my my father was in in business, a combination of art and business. Fast forward I'm now fifty five and. Um, I'm uh, I'm the leader of a a company that's actually a an artistic company. So um, I I think it was probably incurred into those first years of uh, hard piano lessons when I was young.
0: When I think of Cirque du Soleil, I of course think of acrobats, acrobats, clowns, musicians, and other creatives. What is it like to lead a bunch like that? And are there typical days at your work? And if there are typical days, could you walk us through a day in the life of a CEO of Cirque du Soleil?
1: Uh, it's hard to find what a typical day looks like, what frankly, but uh, like any uh, any other, other CEO, there's a lot of uh, uh, activities that are very similar to other companies. So yes, I do review financial performance and KPIs and and that sort of thing with the uh, with the team. Uh, but I, I feel really I feel privileged because I have the uh, the opportunity to uh, well, travel and meet our uh, performers our artists on shows uh, meet with them go backstage uh, live what it is to be on tour with the uh, the performers um, and I also have the uh, the chance to be part of the what we call the creative uh, reviews of new productions. Uh, so I kind of have a, a meeting reviewing some, some numbers with my uh, my team, my CFO and the rest of the, the team. And then I move into a separate studio in the, the headquarter of the of the company. And then I, I meet with 10 creative people around the room and they talk to me about what the next show will look like. So um, I feel really privileged in being in that position.
0: How many uh, shows do you attend in, a, let's say, in a month? Cirque du Soleil shows? Uh, I believe between five
1: and 10, uh, Cirque du Soleil shows, but also, uh, other, other shows, other live entertainment, because we, uh, we always want, I want a team and myself to be, um, to know what's on there and, and see what, what people are interested in. So, uh, yeah, it'd see, I see, I see lots of shows.
0: In all creative organizations, the role of the management and then the creative artistic side is, well, it is a matter of discussion how it should be organized. How is it organized in Cirque du Soleil? Uh, You said you attend these meetings with the uh, creatives. They tell you what they're doing. Do you comment on what they are doing?
1: You know, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I do comment, but I, 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 never, I, I never did. And I will never pretend, uh, being a, uh, a creator and, uh, being an artistic director of some sort. Um, I make some comments that are more in relation with, uh, the, the, the intent that we're, uh, that what's the intent of the, of the show. Uh, how do we how do we believe we will capture uh, our uh, the fans' attention and how do we make sure that the show will deepen uh, and enrich people's experience when they uh, when they will go and and see a show? Um, I never and will never tell people, look, uh, I think the blue costume should be red. That's not my my role at all. But my role is more than uh, putting in place the, the structure that allows our creators to create freely and with as little uh, constraints as uh, as possible.
0: But you discuss audiences and their possible reactions and experiences. Did I understand correctly? I I, I do, uh,
1: but limited to my uh, experience as a uh, as a fan, I've always been a, a fan of Cirque du Soleil, and the same way, Yaku, you could attend these meetings and provide opinions on what you like or don't like. Uh, that's what I call an artistic opinion. What I don't have is artistic expertise, which is very different. And so I like to, you know, I can tell people about what I feel uh, is, uh, are the strong elements of a show or the weakest points in, in a show. Uh, as a personal opinion, uh, the same way you could, or anybody else on measurement team could. Um, what I don't want to do is go beyond uh, a personal opinion and pretend that I've got a, uh, artistic expertise, uh, in casting or acrobatic design or set design. That's not my, that's not my expertise.
0: Your colleagues describe you as a sweet and easygoing person with a sharp mind. How would you describe your lead, your own leadership philosophy and how that philosophy was formed?
1: Uh, that's a good one. Uh, not sure where that comes from, but I, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think it boils down to having the right people around, and I feel very fortunate to have uh, all the right people around. Uh, we built a, uh, a team, a management team in the, the company that I believe is really strong and uh, I do make it a point of meeting a lot of people in the organization at different levels. And I I look I picture myself uh as someone can help people do their job basically. So I I ask uh often when I meet with people, uh, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do to help? How can I help you do your job? At the end of the day, people on the field know um what they have to do. Uh and often I feel that the uh people need the uh, they may need help to unblock certain decisions, uh, more than being uh, directed in a very strong way. So yes, uh, my leaders, my leadership uh, style could uh, appear as being, uh, how did you say, um, easy, easy going, or am uh, oh, yes,
0: easy going person, but that, with a sharp mind. That's what's being said about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who will. Uh,
1: Yell and, and and scream and shout, um, but uh, make no mistake—we've got some uh, clear objectives to meet. And uh, I don't like not meeting our uh, our, our our targets and, and objectives. So and, and the team really
0: uh, no, knows that very well. Okay, how about how much has your outlook on life and business changed since you saw, joined Cirque du Soleil? Um, what ha- what kind of impact has this experience had you uh, you and on uh, you and your identity as a leader?
1: I, I worked. Uh, you mentioned it in the uh, yeah, introduction. I worked about. I worked for about twenty years in the aviation industry, which I really love. I really enjoyed uh, working for that company. Uh, it got me to travel the world. It got me to. Uh, be uh, ex, live as an expat in different different countries. I uh, spent a lot of time uh, abroad, not not living in in Canada, and got to know a lot of different different cultures, which was very rich as a as an experience. Uh, but I think when I joined the company, I was looking for. I feel I went from working for uh, the company I work work with called CAE, trains pilots, and they're the world leader in, in that field. And I feel that I've I've, uh, moved from a world leader in a niche aviation market to another world leader with with Cirque uh, Cirque du Soleil. Um, What I think uh, is growing more and more on me personally is uh, a sense of uh, purpose. I mean, all companies have a sense of purpose beyond making money. Uh, But Cirque du Soleil, uh, that Cirque du Soleil, it's really uh, in the company's DNA to uh hopefully make the world a little better at every every show that we represent in different markets
0: and if i may ask uh have you defined how it makes the world a better place through each show what happens actually is it through joy or amaze or I don't know. and uh
1: Excuse me. And giving uh showing a role model to uh the young kids. Uh I have two little others and they they uh they sometimes come with me and see the shows and one of them was um inspired by one of the the performers at the show that we uh we did at one point. And uh at every in every market we go. We always offer a number of tickets to people in need, especially, especially kids. And uh, I, I talk a lot with the, the performers about, about that because we've all seen it often. Uh, there's always a few kids that unfortunately um, don't have a good role models in their lives. They go to see a show. Uh, they're impressed by what they see. They're expi- inspired by, uh, by what they see. And we like to think that if at a representation we have inspired some little kid enough to change his or her life, uh, we've done we've done our job. That's that's what I mean, echo
0: That's very interesting that you're providing sort of role models and and waking aspirations in people through your shows. That's but my, sounds, my sounds like a worthy cause. No, I'm not my youngest is a... Uh, and she, I uh, started
1: to see shows a couple of years ago and just after, after COVID. And quite frankly, she, she doesn't really know what I do. If you know if you know what I mean, she, she cares more that, uh, she's impressed by the, the performers, nor much more by her, by her father and by the CEO. And you know, she, uh, she wants to become a circus, uh, a circus artist. So she's all into gymnastics and doing tricks, almost, it's, it's funny about how those kids can be inspired.
0: Wow. Uh, you've already talked a bit about objectives. Uh, what are your personal objectives or goals uh, related to the future of Cirque du Soleil? Uh,
1: I, I believe they're twofold. One, um, I'd like the uh, company to, uh, and we, we've we've embarked on this journey of going back to our roots. This is a company that was created in middle of the '80s and literally um, reinvented the circus art form. Uh, I don't think we can reinvent the the art form again, but I think it's important for us to go back to those roots. And look at a future with more audacity than uh, than we've had in the uh, in the recent years. Uh, so, so the first part of the answer has to be, um, I wanted I want Suddissale to become very audacious again uh, in uh, the way we touch people and our our audience. Um, and the second part would be um, bring the the company in its interaction with our fan base in 2022-2023. So the world has changed. Uh, we went through worldwide a, uh, a very hard, uh, almost two years during, uh, during COVID. Uh, it's clear that the world needs to gather again, to find ways to gather and connect with each other. And I do believe that Sur du Soleil can be a catalyst of, uh, of that. And so uh, as a personal goal, I'd really want to uh, emphasize how Cirque du Soleil can bring people to connect together, both physically as well as uh, as digitally. So that that will be my personal goal and and the company's uh, plan going forward.
0: Audacity and building connections—that <clears throat> sounds right. good. Um, let's talk about the difficult, uh, the or the m- most difficult time in the history of Cirque du Soleil. As I said in my intro in March, 2020, you went from 44 productions worldwide and over a billion in annual sales to zero shows and no revenue. Then you had to lay off about 5,000 employees and were forced to file for bankruptcy protection and your bankruptcy was one of the most complex bankruptcy filings in the Canadian corporate history. So I've been told. Then, together with Daniel Daniel Lamar, your predecessor, you were a key figure in pulling the company out of what looked like the end of the road—a uh, complete disaster. You were first CFO, then COO, as you fought uh, to keep the company alive, and now you are the CEO. We all understand what these terms mean: what CFO does, what CEO is supposed to do, and CEO. But how do you personally yourself look at your contribution during the crisis in these different roles how did your role and your ability to contribute to build value change as your job description changed uh well first of all uh it's been a uh
1: really uh hard hard period i think as you you mentioned it. Uh, Daniel, my my predecessor talks about it in his uh, in his book. it's been it's been brutal to go from, and I do remember very well uh, during that week in March, where we went on a Monday from a company that was about a billion dollars in in revenue to literally zero the next sunday, literally in in six days and had to take some drastic measures. It was extremely, extremely difficult. And at the time, we had uh, different shareholders that were very supportive of the company, and we wanted to find a, uh, a path through through the crisis. Um, without getting into all those uh, legal legal details, as you pointed out, it's been a a, a very complex re- restructuring uh, here in uh, in Canada. Uh, but there's a point in time when we the the, the former shareholders of Service Select could no longer support the company. We had to. As a management of the company, we had to find new uh, investors, convince people to invest in the relaunch of the of the company uh, at a point where uh, the uh, the path through COVID wasn't even even clear for for anyone. As a, uh, I worked a lot with with Danielle uh, myself personally to rethink about the business plan, and uh, we found. A bit of a different angle to uh, the way we operated before, and I think it's been a cornerstone of what we presented to a new uh, set of investors and uh, to get them to uh, convince them actually to reinvest in the company, uh, reinvest behind the brand of the uh, of the company and uh, at the end of uh, twenty twenty then we were we closed the deal and we were able to uh, get out of the bankruptcy. Uh, protection and think about the relaunch of the company which actually started only six months after uh at in the mid uh, mid 2021 so it's been a it's been a rough uh, rough period but you uh, you look back at uh, those couple of years now uh, there's a big sense of pride of what was accomplished by by the team
0: but how did what you could comble- accomplish Change, you said. You of course there was a disaster. You had to deal with it, but then you helped finding the new investors. Uh, how about after that, you became CEO um, and and CEO in the middle. How did your angle and and your way of of helping the company out of the situation change? As the chief financial officer,
1: you sort of. Close, uh, pretty close to to the company strategy. I think in any 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 company, a good CFO would be really close to the CEO, not only in uh, understanding the numbers, but also in executing the uh, the strategy of the uh, of the company. Uh, now, in that summer of 2020, um, we had to rethink about whether the strategy that we that this company had was the right one, or we had to make some uh, some changes. And uh, and at that point. Uh, I proposed a lot of things to, uh, to Danielle, who was CEO at the time, and we partnered uh, him and I to convince people to, to reinvest. And when we when we did that, Danielle, uh, I think it was at our first uh, board meeting during the in-camera session when Danielle said, look, uh, I, I've always valued having a, a good succession plan in the company. Uh, you, uh, you've had interactions with our CFO, uh, Stefan. I think he could be on a succession plan for the CEO. And I recommend that you, uh, you give him the chief operating officer, uh, position and you'll see, uh, see how he performed. And if he does a good job, then he, he can become the CEO of the company. So that's, that's how it actually happened.
0: How did you manage to remain optimistic through that all? Where did you draw your? Strength, especially, or emotional strength, to deal with it all. And uh, I think you know it's
1: easier to say now. Maybe maybe it wasn't that clear at the time, but I I never I was never in doubt that the uh, the company uh, that people need need Cirque du Soleil and that the brand would would survive the uh, the crisis. Uh, the Cirque du Soleil brand is so is so strong. I never I was never in doubt that. Uh, it would become relevant, and even probably even more so after after the uh, this this crisis. Um, yeah, you know. So it wasn't never never. I've always always believed that this company would have a future as long as we would find the right people to uh, to us up and back us up, and so did Danielle. There was a small team of people that would work was working on the relaunching the uh, the business at at the time. And I think that emotionally, uh, it helped a lot to be, feel supported by the team of people. There was about, um, well, quite a few people, about 200 people that were, uh, were still part of employed by by the company in different functions. And, uh, we would, uh, we'd find ways to meet either either teams at the beginning, cause we weren't allowed to meet physically or, uh, had a few, a few get together and, uh, but motivated ourselves to to go through the uh, the crisis. So that's how we and uh, just emotionally
0: managed it. I've understood that one of the things you did was to make the management structure of the company somewhat leaner than it used to be. How did you implement this and what has it done to the culture of the company? Uh... I think, in all transparency,
1: easier it's easier to come up with a lean uh, structure of a company when you you start from from scratch than having to um, downsize a, a company. A lot a lot of uh, managers and and CEOs, CFOs, what what have you, uh, had gone through the process of downsizing a company. So and it's very hard. It's it's emotionally very very difficult. I personally think it's easier when you got to you have to rebuild from scratch and higher to a certain certain level, uh, is easier than having to, to uh, let go some people to downsize a, a company. Uh, the, uh, the thread here, what we had in mind was to build up all the functions uh, to a certain level, and then uh, define the level of supports of each functions um, along the, 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 the a certain budget and a certain staffing level in each function. So rather than asking uh, the uh, finance team, the IT team, the HR team, uh, what can you do for for the company and how many people do you need, we had to we had to look at the equation the other way around. Here's 50 people. Uh, what can you offer to to the rest of business with 50 people? And that's the way we we rebuilt it up.
0: And how does Cercle du Soleil look like today? What's the how would you describe the growth momentum at the moment? Oh my god, the moment, momentum is momentum
1: is phenomenal right now, and we've been uh, a bit of luck and uh, and 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 surprise uh, to see that first of all our performers uh, wanted to come back to work for Sugi Soleil, and uh, the vast majority of them actually came back. I think I think the number is over ninety percent of the people that we call actually actually uh, came back to work for, uh, for Cirque du Soleil. So we, we deeply needed them and they wanted to come back. Uh, the second really good surprise we've had is uh, people missed us uh, more than we thought. And the minute when we, we started reopening our shows in Las Vegas, summer of 2021, people massively came back to see our shows, such that in the first uh, 18 months of operations, uh, we relaunched first our resident shows in Vegas, and then our touring shows in different markets. And we've uh, we've broken box all time, actually all time box office records in in many in many markets. So uh, a combination of performers want to come back and work with us, and the and the fan base being being there to support them. I think it's a perfect combination, and there's at the, at this point a really good momentum uh, in the company.
0: When momentum is phenomenal, then you have to start managing expectations. How do you, how do, you do that with the, your new owners and board of directors and employees and everybody looking at you?
1: It's such a, such a great uh, question, uh, especially when things are going well and especially when things are going better than expected as it is, it is the case right now. Uh, we, we like to err on the, on transparency with our, uh, with our shareholders. I actually had a, a board meeting two weeks ago and, and a shareholders meeting, and I met with some of our shareholders last last week again. And, uh, I, I, you know, the, the style here is to be very transparent and open with, uh, with the board and with the, the shareholders on where we are, uh, what we see going forward, the opportunities that we see going forward, the risks that we see as well so that we all look at the same set of data. We all uh, hopefully are aligned on what we see uh, both in the macro environment as well as in our, our airborne, uh, own internal capabilities uh, and align the, uh, the, uh, the objectives for the, for the next few months. So it's all about transparency.
0: Many people associate Cirque du Soleil with blue ocean strategy. You were featured in the book by the same name. Do you yourself subscribe to the blue ocean strategy? And if so, what could be Cirque du Soleil's next blue ocean strategy? Uh, I think
1: you're a single one. I I, I, I do, uh, I'm familiar with the, with the, uh, uh, with the strategy, uh, at this point in time, um, and this company has mastered Actually, in back in the mid-eighties mid and beginning nineties, the art of, of blue ocean strategy. Um, we come out of just relaunching our, our our business right now, and we have started actually thinking about so how do we how do we redefine our, our markets and uh, redefine what competition means for for Cirque du Soleil and move from red ocean to uh, to blue ocean. Um, we anchored our strategy in uh, what we call internally the the golden age of Sergio Sommet. I've actually uh, talked about earlier the audacity and and for us um, important is to come back to this being as audacious as the founders were back in in the uh, mid-80s and uh, creating new products for our fan base. And I think that by doing that, we'll slowly but surely walk towards the blue ocean f- away from the, uh, the red ocean. Uh, and it means it is the case both for, I mean, physically for our shows as well as, um, how do we redefine ourselves in the, uh, digital, digital world. So, um, not entirely clear, even for us, what that, uh, what a blue ocean strategy would mean for us, I think we're walking in the right direction. Uh, But just coming out of relaunching the business two months ago, uh, we we need to reset our our brain and uh, refocus on on walking towards the blue ocean strategy.
0: My last question is actually that I ask you to come up with a question for our next guest, guest in our conversation with series. Unfortunately, I can't tell you yet who that is, but the next person is, of course, another CEO of one of the world's leading companies. Uh, can you think of a question that you'd like to ask another CEO with a global outlook? Uh,
1: so that's a question, yeah, You will be asking the next <laughs> yes, interview, right? Uh, you know what's interesting? What's been on the uh, 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 I've been thinking about uh, lately is. Um, as a CEO, CEO you uh, sometimes feel uh, feel lonely uh, there at the at the top, and I'd I'd be curious to know what other CEOs who, who other CEOs reach out to when they uh, when they feel they want to bounce something off of someone, be, being either a business concept or just a, a way to manage personal emotions. Uh, who do you reach out to? sometimes hard to reach out to your chairman, sometimes hard because, you know, you feel, you may not feel comfortable with it. Maybe harder to find, find, uh, reach out to some uh, shareholders or even colleagues or employees. So I think that would be my next, uh, my question, Yako. Who do you like to reach out to when he, you want to pick on somebody's brain
0: and uh, and bounce some, uh, some, some things off someone? Thank you so much, Stéphane Lefebvre, for allowing us to reach out to you and taking the time and sharing your story and and thoughts. I'm so happy to hear that Cirque du Soleil is rising again and is doing phenomenally. Thank you everybody for watching this episode of In Conversation With. There will be more. You all have a great day.